to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation. Chapter 9. So Jesus talking to the sixth angel who had the trumpet. So you get the picture. The angel's up there with the trumpet. He just blew the trumpet. Prayers are being offered up. Jesus is standing there. He's like interpreting, I believe, these prayers that are coming up for him, to him. And he, he talks to this angel, says, hey, um, I want you to release those four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Is this fascinating stuff? There's, there's actual angels that are bound. These are, these are four angels. I, I believe these are fallen angels because I, I don't believe God would bind good angels. So these are fallen angels. They're bound at the river Euphrates. Uh, we don't have time to go into the river Euphrates. Uh, uh, basically, it ran through the, the ancient Babylon where false religions started. Um, it was one of the four rivers in the Garden of Eden. And there's just on and on. There's so much history with this great river Euphrates. It was the eastern boundary of the promised land. It is the eastern boundary of the promised land. And there's just, you should do your own study on the, east, the uh, river Euphrates. But there's these angels and they're evil. Why were they bound? We don't know. It doesn't say. I believe that they were bound because these are destructive angels. And they're like, it's almost like they're just standing there ready to destroy. And God's like, no, just, just hold off. They're, they're not going to do any destruction until I give them word. And now they get the word to be released. And we're told in the next verse, in verse 15, that they're released. And they're released to kill one-third of mankind. One-third. Do you remember when we looked at the, the seal judgments and how already a quarter of the earth has been wiped out? If my math is right, that's, over, that's 50% of the earth is going to be wiped out by this time. 50%. That means, listen, if you go into the tribulation period, you have less than a 50% chance with all the other judgments and all the other killing and everything else that happens, you have a less than 50% chance of survival during the tribulation period. Less than 50% chance. Who wants to go into the tribulation period? Anybody? No, of course not. Evil's unleashed. Evil is so bad at this point, God is dealing with it. Most of the people on the earth, they, they want nothing to do with God. They'd rather you know, go after evil and the Antichrist and the false prophet, false religion. There's going to be a one-world religion, and they're going to be following after demonic ways. The false prophet is going to be you know, led by, by uh, Satan himself. And God's like, do you want evil? I'll give it to you. And he gives them over to evil. So why are we studying as believers? Why are we studying all this? I believe we get to see what we're going to miss out on. This is what we're going to miss out on. We're not going to go through this stuff. With this, I'd like to point out the fact that the spiritual realm affects the physical realm. Do you ever think of that before? The, the spiritual realm affects the physical realm. There's spiritual realm all around. There's... there's there's good angels, as we talked about last week. There's bad angels. There's good angels. There's battles taking place. Michael. I, I can't wait. I, I'm looking forward to seeing Michael the archangel, aren't you? He's like the archangel. The only, you know, the one we know for sure is an archangel. And there's just this battle that's taking place. And somehow, someway, listen, as we pray, battles take place, things happen in the spiritual realm. I, I believe if we could just see half of what's happening, I would probably be, you know, just, you know, just watching this. You know, imagine this, we're praying, you know, we have a prayer meeting Thursday night, and we just see these angels go dispatching, going off like missiles. And Lord, we pray for, before we even get it out of our mouth. And Lord, please help. It's like, whoa. 
I mean, literally, that's what's happening. The, in the spiritual realm, it affects the physical realm as we pray. When my sister was praying for me, when I was in the world, in darkness, and she's like, Lord, save him, save him. I'm on Daytona Beach, and I'm just walking there. Young kid comes up to me and shares Jesus with me, and I'm like, uh, and he hands me a track, and I, you know, She's in Michigan praying for me. The, the, the word goes out. They, you know, it's like send this young kid to this man over here and talk to him. And just everything's happening in the spiritual realm. And that's why I'm saved. Somebody prayed for me. The spiritual realm affects the physical realm. Remember when Paul the Apostle was in Philippi with Silas? Remember it says they were praying and remember there was a slave girl that was there. It says she was possessed by a, a spirit of divination. Do you remember that? It says she was possessed by the spirit of divination. It says she was a fortune teller. So now we know fortune tellers. If people ask you, well, what about fortune tellers? You know, the one over here, she says she's a Christian. Uh, Pastor, is she a Christian? She says she claims she's a Christian. No. Unless she accepts Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior and she repents of her sin. Of course not. She can't be, you know, there's people that really, they're duped like this. They go to the psychics and they go, oh, no, they say they're a Christian and they, they, they this, she's a good one. <laughs> really? My Bible says it's divination. It's, it, my Bible says that this one that was a fortune teller, she had a demonic spirit, a spirit of divination. You know, think through this. You know, I, I could tell you, before I knew Jesus Christ, I went to a fortune teller. And I was blown away at the things she was telling me. She was like, no way. And what they do, if, if she has a demon, which this one in our story, in, in, in Acts 16, they have a demon. The demons have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So the demons, can, they know what's going on. So they can say, yeah, tell him, you know, his uncle Pete, you know, was divorced in 19, you know, this kind of stuff. And that's like, wow. And you're just blown away. How do they know these things? Well, they're not telling you the future. They're telling you things that already happened. And then they just kind of calculate what might happen in the future. If they could really know the future, uh, they should go to the horse tracks, right? <laughs> they wouldn't have these little shops in Sunset Beach, right? So I got off on a little tangent there. Sorry about that. <laughs> Not in my notes. Sorry. So in Acts 16, remember this. So this girl, she was possessed with a spirit of divination, and she was a fortune teller. And check this out. She was following Paul and Silas wherever they were going, and she was crying out. She says, these men are the servants of the Most High God. And then she says, who proclaim the way of salvation. That's right on. She was advertising. Everywhere they went, she was crying out, these men are, are servants of the Most High God and they show us the way of salvation. And you would think Paul and Silas would say, hey, come on with us, hang out with us. But no, you know what it says? It says that after a few days that, that Paul was, was, was bothered by this. Remember what he did? It says, after many days, Paul was greatly annoyed and he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it says that he, the demon, came out at the very hour. And she was set free. And if you know the story, her master was so upset because he was losing money and he had Paul and Silas put into jail and they beat them. And then, and then if you remember, it goes on to say that the, the, the Philippian jailer ends up giving his life to the Lord. Him and his family got saved, remember? As believers in Jesus Christ, we have victory over the spiritual realm. There's an evil invasion today, but it's not like we're reading about here in our text. And as believers, I'm sure I'm probably preaching to the choir, but we need to realize the fact that evil cannot prevail against us as believers. Evil cannot prevail. No weapons formed against us shall prosper. This is the heritage of the sons of God. No weapons. And as we talk about evil in the spiritual realm, we're not to be ignorant. And 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, 
lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not to be ignorant. And some people, I believe, are very ignorant of his tactics. Some of the, the conversations I have with believers, and they say, oh, pastor, we do this, we do that. And I'm like, dude, don't you know that's bad for you? Don't you know that's not good? It was funny, I brought my laundry and I'm going to a different place to get some of my clothes dry cleaned. And, and I met the, the owner there and his brother so happens to be a, a minister. Or excuse me, his brother-in-law is a minister. So, so I'm kind of connecting with him, sharing with him a little bit. And I went in there, I think it was yesterday, to pick up my laundry. And I, and I says, oh, how you doing? You know, so-and-so. And he says, oh, he says, oh, I'm really tired. He goes, I'm going to go home and have a few drinks. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, says, I forgot you're a minister. <laughs> I just started laughing. And, he says, and then he went to carry my stuff out to my car. He goes, can I carry? I said, no, no, I got it, really. And I says, no. He says, I'll get it. Don't worry. So I got, grabbed it from him. I said, well, maybe you should go out and get some fresh air. That's better than having a few drinks. You know what I'm <laughs> but it's so neat that the work that God's doing, and I believe it's an answer to his brother-in-law's prayers, bringing me there, talking to him, ministering to him. And I think he knows it. But we're not to be ignorant of the devices of Satan. And I want to put the tactics of the enemy. This is simple. First one, he tempts us to sin. That's pretty simple. The Bible says, resist the devil, resist temptation, and draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. But one of the tactics, he wants you to sin, every one of us. As we talk about evil, every one of us have areas of temptation that, that want to bring you down. And if we could just realize this is, just, this is a tactic of the enemy to, to make you to sin, to cause you to, to, to draw away from God, to cause you to, to walk in his ways, and don't fall for that. Another tactic he tries to make us doubt God's word and God's love for us. That's a big attack. How many times? Do you ever do this? You're reading the word of God and you're like, wow, I don't know. That doesn't, and then you just get in your mind, there's an attack. Or how many times that, you, know, you doubt God's love for you? I minister to people and they say, you know, I don't know if God loves me. I don't, I don't feel him anymore. Can I tell you this? I know I've shared it before. It's not about feelings. It's about faith. It's not about feelings. I mean, many people, they just go like this. I mean, I mean, seriously, I see this all the time. It's feelings. I don't feel him anymore. I used to feel him all the time. And it's like, it's great to have feelings. That's great. We're emotional people. You know, we, we can have feelings. We can feel them sometimes, but we don't always feel them. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. His word says that he does love you. Another, another one, he tries to bring fear in our lives. I've been seeing this getting excelled in these, these last few weeks or so. People just dealing with all kinds of fears and worries. And it's like a constant battle. Remind yourself of the scripture that says, God has not given us a spirit of, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We have nothing to fear as a believer. Do you know that? Nothing. Nothing. There's things that come my way that I'm really, lately, you know, just gets, it's almost like it's, it's, it's comical. Things that come my way, it's like, it's almost impossible. I'm like, God, this looks almost impossible. And this looks impossible. And this looks impossible. I'm like, I'm like, but then I can honestly tell you, I have no fear. And it's like, if this happens, this happens, and this happens, man, we're all in trouble. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, God, God, God. I just kind of put a God stamp over it. Okay, stamp that one with God. Okay, stamp that one with God. Stamp that one with God. And then uh, one by one, I say, oh, okay, good deal. That's off the wall. You already took care of that one. Oh, okay, you're in the midst of taking care of that one. And okay, I can just trust you. If you're taking care of all these other God wall things and you've, you've already taken care of them, you're going to take care of those. There's such a tactic of the enemy to be fearful. I'm serious. I, I'm, dealing, I'm talking with people that I, I've never had to, to minister before that, that, that dealt with fear. And today they're dealing with anxiety and fears. And may I remind you, you have nothing to fear. It's a tactic of the enemy, nothing. And you might say, well, pastor, if this happens, it's just going to be terrible and you won't believe. And I don't know. And this is just overwhelming. And if it just works out this way, well, who's, who's holding your future in his hands? And does it say, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but, and we know that all things are working together for good, for those that love God and those who are called according to his purpose? What a tactic of the enemy. Tries to bring fear. Another tactic, he tries to make us worry and be anxious. Well, be anxious for nothing, right? It kind of goes with fears. Next one, he desires us to be oppressed and depressed. If you're a blood-bought saint of the living God, you do not need to be oppressed and you do not need to be depressed. And I suggest if that's happening, get your eyes off of yourself, put your eyes on the cross, put your eyes on Jesus Christ, and then also put your eyes on the needs of others. And that oppression and that depression will disappear. Every time I put my eyes on myself and I look at my problems and I'm self-focused, I get oppressed, I get depressed. So I know if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. But when I lift my eyes off of myself, I put my eyes on the cross, I put my eyes on the author and finisher of my faith, Jesus Christ, and then I look at the needs of others, guess what? No more. It's gone. Sixth one, he tries to get us puffed up with pride. This is a terrible one. If he can't get us in fear and condemnation and worry, then he's going to make us think that we really are something, huh? <laughs> pride. That's what got Satan thrown out. He was Lucifer. He got thrown out of heaven. Beware. Tactics of the enemy. Another one. He tries to make us envious and jealous of others. That's a terrible one. You're looking at you know, how well they're doing and you become envious and jealous. And Beware. Eight. He tries to get us to fall into discouragement and condemnation, being condemned. When you mess up, when you sin... I remember being a baby Christian, I was, I'd mess up and sin. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe and I'm walking around all this condemnation. Like, like oh, this is so terrible. And I remember my brother-in-law, he, he was ministering to me at the time. And it's like, yeah, it's just, you know, I messed this up. I can't believe I did that. And I says, you know, there's so much condemnation. He, he says, well, and he says, you know, he says, it's an attack. He says, just go to the cross. I said, I know, I'm going to the cross. And, and he says, well, Actually, when the devil comes in and telling you how bad it is, it's worse than he's telling you it is. He's telling you how bad. No, you're even worse than that, but the cross. And he might be filling you with condemnation. I can't believe you did that. Well, guess what? You did that, and you did a lot of other things too. But the cross. There is therefore no, no, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Okay, two more. Nine. He, get, he tries to get us preoccupied with the things of the world. The cares of the world that choke out the word of God. Beware of that. Getting overly caught up with the cares of the world. Last one, he also tries to get us preoccupied with ourselves. Self-focus. Very dangerous. Back in our text. 
this whole verse 16, 200 million. I read commentaries that say, well, 200 million, I don't believe that's literal. Well, then why does it say in verse 16, uh, John says, I heard the number of them. He says, I heard the number of them. So it was 200 million. We don't know if this is a demonic army or if this is a, a real, true army, a human army. In 1965, China claimed to have an army over 200 million. They have an army today, according to, they have an active army of only 2.3 million. But if you do the research, they have over 600,000 million, not thousand, 619 million that are fit for service. So if this is China, some think it is. We don't know. We're speculating. We don't know. Verse 17, where it talks about they had, their heads were like, Lions. Uh, some believe that because John wrote this in uh, 95 AD and the only transportation were horses and camels, maybe this is talking about uh, warplanes, tanks, helicopters, fighting helicopters, uh, all out war stuff. Possibly, we don't know. This is all speculation. But one thing we do know this is evil. This is demonically inspired, at least. Are these actual demons? The 200 million, we don't know. And we won't know until that time comes, but it is demonically inspired. I want to go to the last verse, the last two verses. And I just want to point this out as we wind this down. The rest of mankind who were, verse 20, who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. It tells us the things that they worshipped, demons and idols, Last verse, it says again, they did not repent of their murders, their sorceries. The Greek word is pharmakia, where we get our our word pharmaceuticals or drugs. I'm sure they did a lot of drugs to try to mask all that was going on around the world. They're trying to escape. And their sexual immorality, I believe the Greek word for that is pornea, where we get our word pornography. It speaks of all sexual sin outside of marriage and their thefts. They're stealing. During that time, there's a food shortage. People are stealing and pillaging, and they don't turn from stealing. They don't turn from all these ways. As we wind this down, I just want to point out that there's no repentance. Repentance is not a condemnation. It's actually an invitation. Some people think that repentance is a bad word, repent. Do you know there's, there's pastors that won't use the word repent? You know, there's churches that never talk about repentance or sin. It's always just feel good and prosperity. Let's not talk about these things. We don't want anyone to be condemned. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, what does it say in those last two verses? They did not repent. Repent means to turn from sin and to turn to God. The story that we're reading about right here, it's a true story. And anyone that does not repent from sin, they're going to go through the tribulation period. They're going to experience this horrific time like no other, seven years. And it's evil. It's evil. I was kind of wrestling with the Lord to share a story because I never shared it before. And as I was thinking about how evil this is and how evil this world is, I was thinking about it this morning, praying over it. And like, Lord, you know, do you want me to share this story? It's you know, it's my past. It's when I was a kid. And, and as we talk about evil, I was prompted, you know, to, to share. I, when I was a child, we, my father would start up carpet stores. 
And we would go to one location, and then we would, after a couple months, we'd go to another location. We'd start up another carpet store, get it running. A few months later, we'd go to another location. So we went to schools all over the place. We, from Michigan to Florida to Northern California. And I mean, some schools I'd go for a month, sometimes two months. We lived in hotels sometimes. We lived, and we just were all over the place. So I went to a lot of different schools. Some schools, some areas were real rich areas. Others were real poor areas. I remember one of the schools I went to, it was a very rough area. There was a lot of gangs. And I just remember just the, just the fear factor of going to school and a daily occurrence. You'd walk into school, around the school, there'd be gangs and they would circle around you and they would, you know, they'd just you know, beat the tar out of you if you were by yourself. It was just a common thing. I think every day I would see that taking place. One of the days I went into the, the restroom at the school. They had a restroom. This one was... Uh, outside, they had an outside restroom area, and I walked in and they were raping this one kid. And it was a gang. And they looked at me when I walked in the door and they said, you're next. And I looked at them and I said, you'd have to kill me first because you're not going to do that to me unless I'm dead. And I remember walking out of that restroom. From that day on, I carried a switchblade. I, I joined a gang to have protection. I remember one time I went to school, I took my dad's, I had my dad's diving knife, was this big, I strapped it to my leg underneath my pants. I was literally going to kill somebody. I didn't know Jesus. Because of the gangs and because of the fear factor, my oldest brother got caught up and he was alone and the gang, you know, got around him and they just, you know, the ten or eight or ten of them just beat him to a pulp. He came home like that. And so at that point, my dad taught us to fight and he told us what to do. He says, you know, that happens. You, just, you ask them which one's the toughest one and just jump on him, beat him up and say, who's next? So I would do that. I would literally have to ask who the toughest one is and we'd fight and then I'd say, who's next? And they would run. It was a very demonic part of my life, a very evil part of my life that I have a hard time even talking about. But the reason why I bring it up is because as we talk about evil, I want to say there's evil in this world. And the only way to overcome evil is with good. I mean, literally, I think back, my, my stepmother even called the school and told her, to, you know, that told her these problems, things were going on. And they said, well, we're doing the best we can. And they literally, my stepmother told, we had permission. My stepmother was there listening to her. She says, well, our kids have permission to fight if you're going to keep it that way. We don't teach them to fight, but now we're going to teach them to fight. And they have our permission to fight unless you do something about the, the violence that's taking place in this school. Since I've known Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, there is such freedom. And I realize the way to overcome evil is with good. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We read about this horrific time, but to bring application in our life, we're surrounded by evil. Evil wants to come in. Evil wants to invade our homes. Evil wants to invade our lives. But we don't have to allow evil to come in. We can overcome evil with good. And as the Lord Jesus Christ comes to live inside of us by his Holy Spirit, we have authority over evil. I look back at those days and I think, man, I wish I was an on-fire Christian at that time because I would have handled myself totally different. I know exactly what I would have done. I would have preached their ears off. <laughs> and I would have watched the Lord work in a powerful way. We don't have to be here during this time of tribulation. It's going to be evil like this world has never seen. And I implore you, 
In Jesus' name, I beg of you, if you're not a born-again Christian today, today is the day of salvation. The only way to escape this seven years of terrible torment is through Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him and receiving him into your life and repenting of your sin. They didn't repent as we looked out. But guess what? We can. You can. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.